Turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Kings chapter 20. If you'll remember with me, um, we're looking at the reforms of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, we're going to have a couple more good kings uh, in the southern tribe, the tribe of Judah. If you remember that as we really rehearse the history of the nation of Israel, when they divided into two kingdoms, there was the northern tribes and the southern tribes. And the northern tribes became known as Israel. So when a lot of times when you're reading in the Old Testament, when you see Israel, it doesn't include Judah or half the tribe of Benjamin. So you have the southern tribe and the northern tribe. The northern is uh, Israel. The southern is called Judah. And at the time right now, we have seen that the northern tribes, after long warning, after many warning, they're, they're serving their, their golden calves. If you remember under Jeroboam, who, who uh, caused the apostasy of the northern tribes, they separated from Rehoboam, who was Solomon's son, when Rehoboam came to the throne. And then he was afraid that they would go back to true worship, so he set up two golden calves and said, here's your God, worship your golden calves. And after all this time, finally we see Assyria come down and take them captive and deliver them away just as they were told was going to happen. Now that's very important because, listen to me, we know that judgment is coming. We know it's coming. We've been warned. It's been prophesied. Many people, even in the church, will scoff at such a thing as God coming back. But we've we've been warned. And just as sure as the northern tribes went away, we know that the southern tribes are going to be also taken into captivity. Seventy years. One year for every jubilee that they ignore. They're going to go away into captivity into Assyria. But it's going to take almost 100 years later before they do. So first off, as they're watching, we see the reforms of Hezekiah, which started in uh, chapter 18 and rehearses again the things of the northern tribes. And I want you to understand that. I want me to understand that. I want us to look at that in thought and in deed that over the, the course of the world, People have been judged. Judgment has come. And we see that. We see something horrible happen in somebody's life and the failing of their life or the the moral failing of their life. And we know that, you know, for a moment we'll look and go, man, I don't want to go there. And then all of a sudden our evil heart kicks in and we just keep doing what we've always done. Because no matter what we do, listen to me, no matter what you do, no matter what I do, there's no change in your life without the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to wash us and cleanse us with the washing of the water through the Word. And yet the church continues to ignore the Word of God. How insane can we be? Or morally, spiritually evil can we be in our sin nature? Listen to me. And without the grace of God drawing us, calling us, electing us, and then washing and cleansing and keeping us, we will walk away from God. That's why it takes a living relationship with him that is daily that is real that's personal that continues because we will stray i was listening to someone yesterday and i and i'll mention his name because i'm not afraid to mention his name he's a heretic and andy stanley is a heretic how sad can it be that you can have someone like chuck stanley charles stanley who is one of the 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 the, the best bible teachers you're ever going to see 
only by the grace of God, only because of the gifting of God, only because of the Spirit of God, and only because he continues to hang on to the Word of God, and yet his own son will get on TV and stand before crowds of people, one of the largest churches uh, in America, and say, just because Jesus said it doesn't make it true. Hmm. What kind of blasphemy is that? Just because Jesus said it doesn't make it true? And then he followed that up. If you didn't think that was a good one, he followed it up by saying we didn't need the Bible. And that he never refers to the Bible in his sermons purposefully, but what he refers to is the testimony of John or the testimony of Peter or the testimony of Jeremiah. And he acts like it's just the person and not the living word of God. That God spoke and created the heavens and the earth. That God sent his word to heal the land. That God himself declares that this is inspired. This is God breathed. This is what we need is the word of God. Did God really say? That's the attack on the church. How can we turn around and say that just our witness is enough without the witness of the Holy Spirit? And how do we know which spirit it is unless we have the inerrant word of God to confirm who God is? That he will not change. He does not change. But we have a lot of heretics that are out there teaching the word of God. And people have set up these teachers to tickle their ears that have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. When he made that statement, uh, we should have heard doors shut, chairs flip over. It should have sounded like a who concert with everybody trampling each other to get out of the building. When somebody would say just because Jesus said it doesn't make it true, when he is truth incarnate, how can you even declare yourself to be a pastor or a church when you do not believe that Jesus is God and that anything he said is the inerrant word of God. God said he sent his word to heal the land. When he said that, he meant that he sent his son to bring the heart of God, the will of God, the ways of God right before man as a living witness. And yet in these days, we can actually stand before people and tell them some lies and act like that psychology or tradition or the basic principles of this life will help you more than the Word of God. I'm saddened by it. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not proud to be sitting here saying Andy Stanley's a heretic, but he declares it himself when he says we need to discard the Old Testament because it's some Jewish book. It has nothing to do with the church. How sad can we be in a nation that would even let people teach the Bible like that. So we have the reforms of Hezekiah. Where'd that come from? I don't even know where it came from. But boy, I was not happy with it. Listen, that's why I would encourage you. Read your Bible. Learn your Bible. Know what's in your Bible. Understand what you're supposed to believe and what you don't believe. Or you will end up in a ditch. You end up following somebody that's a good orator and it looks like they're okay because they have a lot of people going to their church. Nothing to do with, Jeremiah preached for 40 years, never had one convert. Jeremiah preached for 40 years, never had one convert. Because of the hard heart of men who will not listen to God. Who reject God. So in 18, Hezekiah begins the reforms. He was the first king. The first king to tear down the high places. And really... As we learned in 18, when you see that, it's not that he tore them down. 
but he told the people they couldn't go there. He told them the truth. But you see, all the other kings, they said, oh, I'm not going to touch the high places. I'm not going there, but I'm not going to touch them because the people would get mad at me. See, so he became a leader that wanted to please God and not the people. Listen, if you please God and the people are pleased, then great. But if you please God and the people ain't pleased, who cares? And I don't mean that like rudely, but, but I want to please God. I want to be faithful to God. So you want to tell the truth. So Hezekiah tore down the high places and he did not care what the people thought about it because he was king. Hezekiah means in its own, it's Jehovah is my strength, strength of Yah. Very important to understand that, that everything that he did in his great reforms, because why? Because he sees, and had, the southern tribes have been trying to get the northern tribes to wake up, wake up. And then they begin to marry into them, and they begin to follow their lives. And then when they go into captivity, finally, when God says judgment has come, that day has come, I told you it was coming, then Hezekiah, by the grace of God, does all of these reforms to try to turn people back. It doesn't last very long. It just doesn't last very long because you cannot legislate holiness. It has to be a relationship with God. It has to be a person's heart that wants to follow God. It doesn't matter if the leaders tell you you have to do it. That's why even in these elections and all these things that we see on our planet, my citizenship is not here. My citizenship is in heaven. My concern is not this planet. My concern is to be faithful to God. And what is God doing faithfully? He's using our lives to win souls to salvation. How does he do that, Greg? By the heralding of the truth. By the word of God. How do we know what's truth? We read the Bible. We ask the Holy Spirit to lead us. And we share truth no matter what people say. Well, I think they need some pills. No, they need the word of God. Well, I think they need to get them a new spouse. No, they need the word of God. Well, I think they need to get a new job. No, they need the word of God. No matter what anybody else says, they need the word of God because that is what God has sent to heal the land, to heal the soul. It's God's provision for life and godliness. So no matter what you think you need, if it's not the word of God in a relationship with God, as you repent and get right and change your mind before God, then you might have the wrong God. Because that's all he asked us to do. Did God really say? And everything else is trying to say, no, God didn't say. And you're going to see this. Hezekiah does all these great reforms. He's a man that even is, is in himself. He's, 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 he's has spiritual pride that he's going to even present before God. Listen to me, because that's what he's going to do. And then God is going to show them that no matter what he does, he can do nothing apart from him. He's going to reveal that to him. And he wants to reveal that to you and me, because God is the one who tests the hearts. God is the one who is trying us. God is the one who is proving us. And everything you're going through is, is how am I going to deal with it? Am I going to deal with it on my own? Am I going to look for the world? Am I going to look for the government? Is it, the, is it this that helps me? Is it medication that helps me? Is it that that helps me? Or is it God who is my help? Who are you casting your life upon? Who are you trusting in? Who are you waiting upon? That's what we need to know. Because anything short of God Almighty and God alone, and you're going to fail. You're going to stumble. You're going to end up in a ditch. And if the blind lead the blind, that's where they always end up at. Hezekiah 
Very important to understand, Hezekiah, God is my strength. Yah is my strength. Where does your strength come from? Where does your strength come from? Does it come from truth, or does it come because you lift weights? Does it come from truth, or does it come because you have a big bank account? Listen, where does your strength come from? Because, listen, you and God is a majority. No matter what the results are, no matter what goes on around you, our strength has to be in God. And we have to stand firm in his word. No matter what other people say, do, or act. But it's so easy, just like the southern tribes, they began to follow the northern tribes. Because why? They wanted to be at peace. Because why? Because they wanted to be back with their brethren. Because why? They wanted to, to repair relationships. Because why? It looked like the right thing to do. It looked like love, but it wasn't love. See, love puts his light on a hill and shines down and says, this is truth, not that. Love continues to call it out even when the whole world says no. Love died on a cross for us. Love incarnate. Died on a cross for us. Knowing that they was going to kill him. And he said, what did he say? Think about it. Listen, if there's any other way, Father, take this cup from me. If there was any other way other than death, take the cup from me. Death has to be the way to life. That's why God allowed the serpent to enter the garden. Was to bring death of flesh, death of a person, death of us, death of our ways. So we can see the testimony that there's nothing good that dwells in us. And the only way to life is to be dead to self and to allow his spirit to raise us up. And to lead us, to direct us, to wash us and cleanse us. Because our ways are filthy rags. Filthy rags. So when you get to, let's see, 1935, we're standing on the walls and... Assyria has come against the southern tribes at Jerusalem and made threats. God has already promised that he would defend the city. He would protect the city. And notice what it says. Listen to this. And it came to pass, 1935, 2 Kings, came to pass. Don't you love that? I love that. I'm telling you. I never stop. I never go past it. What you were fighting with a year ago came to pass. If you let God prove you and try you and test you and you use his wisdom and his, his word and move on and say, Lord, I got that lesson. Don't let me forget it because he'll bring it back if you, if you forget it. Came to pass on a certain night, so it's dark, that the angel of the Lord, that should be capitalized. If, you, if it isn't, you can always capitalize it. Uh, angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians. Assyria means a step, right? 185,000. Wow, that's a lot. And when people arose early in the morning, there were the corpses all dead. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went away, returned home, and remained at Nineveh. Now it came to pass, as he was worshiping in the temple of Nishrach, his god, that his sons, Adremelech, and Sherazar struck him down with a sword, 
and they escaped into the land of Ararat. Then Eshardan, his son, reigned in his place. Well, what, isn't this what God said would happen in chapter 19? Remember, now listen to me. I want you to understand that Hezekiah is trying to live for God. Hezekiah has surrendered to God. Hezekiah's name means that God is my strength. Yah is my strength. And when he was attacked by Assyria, he was attacked by the enemy who's coming at him, who he just seen defeated all the northern tribes. Ten and a half, eleven tribes. And he's just a small little tribe. What did he do? He said, how much gold do we have? How much soldiers do we have? No, he sent his servants to the word of God. He sent his servants to Isaiah to find out what to do. He went to God for help. See, in the Old Testament... If you're reading with us through the schedule, we just read this, Hebrews 1. In past times, in diverse manners, God spoke through the prophets. But in these last days, he speaks through his son. See, his son is the word of God, but the word used to come through the prophets. And that's how people would hear from God. Now we hear from God, which confirmed by the spirit of God, that this is the word of God. It gives us the instruction of God in how we should live. But here, he instantly, instead of going to the arm of the flesh, instead of going to his battle room and going, how many can we fight? Can we, can, how long can we last? He, he's sick. He's in bed. And he says, hey, come here, servants. And he sends them to Isaiah. And says, tell, it's right here in 19. It says in 19.5, so the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah. And Isaiah said to them, Thus ye shall say to your master. This is what the word of God said to Hezekiah, the one who trusts in God, who God is their strength. Thus says the Lord, do not be afraid. Isn't that, doesn't that sound like Jesus in the boat? Doesn't that sound like Jesus every time you hear him? Do not be afraid. Listen to me. This is what God says. Do not be afraid. Because fear, fear will motivate you to trust in something else. That's why you see all the fear being proliferated on the TV and everywhere you look. They're going to kill you. They're going to kill you. They're going to kill you. doesn't matter which politician's talking about it. doesn't matter which person's talking about it. They all want you to be in fear instead of trusting and standing in, in, the, in the salvation of the Lord where you have peace forevermore. Do not be afraid of the words which you have heard with which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Notice what he says they did. They blasphemed me. You come against God. Jerusalem, the holy city. Jerusalem means teaching peace. Surely I will send a spirit upon him, and he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. That's why we just read 1935 through um, 37. Because listen to me. If you... As a child of God, he says, my sheep, hear my voice, I know them and they follow me. If you will learn what God is saying, you will already know before the enemy comes. See, and Hezekiah is looking to God. So he looks to the word of God, and the word of God has already told him what was going to happen. I'll defend this city. <clears throat> you don't have to worry, Hezekiah. You don't have to fight in this battle. You stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Because God will defend his city. God will defend his people. God will defend his bride. We're his bride. How much more will he defend his bride who he's preparing for the wedding supper of the Lamb? If we'll just stand. 
And so with this, we see that in now chapter 20, which is where we want to be. I believe chapter 20 happened inside of chapter 19. But now we're going to get some more content of what was going on with Hezekiah while chapter 19 was going on. He was sick. He was in bed. And the enemy was attacking because he was sick. Listen, your soul is sick. And the enemy will attack and keep you down. But if you go to the word of God, you will get back up. You will be able to stand in his presence. You will have strength to be a man or a woman of God. But you can stay sick also if you keep ignoring the word of God and the testimony of God and the witness of God that is here now because the spirit of God comes to convict of sin and righteousness and judgment, we're told in John 16. Now watch, this is what's going on. In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Listen to me. Listen to me. Everybody, we're born sick. We're born with a sentence of death. Hebrews 9.27, it's appointed for man to die once. Then comes the judgment. That's what we're talking about right here. Judgment is coming. Assyria is coming. See, but what, what Hezekiah doesn't know Listen to me, it's very important. What Hezekiah doesn't know is that Assyria is getting weaker and that Babylon is rising. Babylon is becoming stronger at this time. And so in his haste, remember if you remember, it's like chapter 17, when, when the northern tribes and Assyria came against uh, the, the, the southern tribe, what did they do? They went and tried to get Babylon to help them. And Babylon did help them. And they defeated Assyria to push Assyria back. They went to the world for help instead of God for help. The lesson is, is quit going to the world for help. Quit going to the next person. Keep coming to God. So now Hezekiah is sick. He's in bed. And God says to him, you're going to die. Do you know that? We should tell every person on the planet, listen, the wages of sin is death. You're going to die. Get your house in order. What's that mean? Write your will out. What are you going to do with your kingdom? Write it out. You're going to die. There's, it's a certain thing. You're going to die. Think about it for a minute. I was thinking about this earlier. Now listen, everybody's going to die. This is talking about Hezekiah. But think about this very clearly in your mind. We have a 22-year-old girl that was in a head-on collision. The man driving the other car, he died. He hit her. She had like eight different operations in that very same week, and she's at home right now, bored, with both legs still healing up. She never had one bruise on her face. She had a little one on her chin. Where'd she get? Believe me, she was hurt bad. Everything in her body was moved. Her chest was open for a whole day. Listen, but she did not die. At the same time, we have a secretary in my work, 61 years old, who they've been watching her ventricle that was leaking a little bit for seven years. They said, it's time. You need to get an operation. They cut her open, and she goes to be with the Lord. That's not enough for you? How about one angel went out the night before, and 185,000 people died because of one angel? Why didn't we just kill the king? He's the one who told them all to be there. Why didn't we kill the head of the power of it? See, that's what Jesus did. He came and defeated the works of the devil. He killed the head. He cut his head off. He crushed him. The devil has no power over us unless you give it to him because you're looking in the wrong place for your help or you're looking for love in all the wrong places. 
Remember that? Looking for nub in all the wrong places. As buckwheat sings it. Listen, we're not looking to God for the love of God that come down to save us. And we look somewhere else. Listen, God could have killed the king. He didn't kill the king. He killed 185,000 to show his power. And he let his own sons kill the king. See, you reap what you sow. You're going to die in whatever you're sowing in. You're going to become whatever you're sowing in. If you're sowing to the word of God, you're going to become Christ-like. You're going to understand the word, the wisdom of God, the power of God. You're going to be able to stand there and look, even though there's disaster all around and there's a storm and the enemy's attacking. Since you already know that God said, I will defend you. I will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon me. Since you already know you can rest and that he says, I will complete the work I started in you until the day of Christ Jesus. I will provide for all of your needs according to my riches and glory in Christ Jesus, by Christ Jesus. Listen, when you know the truth, you can stand firm. And as you stand firm, you grow in your faith because you see God. The, 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 the signs and wonders don't happen before. Signs and wonders follow true faith. Go read the last chapter of Mark. Signs and wonders will follow it. It doesn't proceed. An evil and adulterous generation seeks after signs so that they can follow the signs. Hezekiah is near death. So is every other person born. Listen, I, I don't know if you guys, I, I, I've been watching this for a long time, and I've had at least five friends that fell from super high positions, drunk, or something wrong with them, fall from many stories, fall from trees, five stories in the air, and not die. And then I see a little girl that's like three get knocked over and hit her head on the sidewalk by a dog. Her head swell up and she dies. See, life is in God's hand. And he decides whether we live or die. He can take us home right now this second. Or he can let us live and be a witness to him. And, and I can't tell you why. But he knows why. I can't tell you when. But he knows when. You can trust him. He speaks things into existence. He's a God that knows everything. So here's Hezekiah. God is my strength. And you're sick and near death. And he's told by the word of God, which we all are, that it's appointed for men to die once. And then comes the judgment. Set your house in order. For you shall die and not live. Then he turned his face toward the wall and prayed. Where do you go when words happen that where do you go when trouble happens? Where do you go when things go bad? Where do you go when you hear bad news? That's not true. I'm just going to go get my credit card. That's not true. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to call. I'm just going to get. Where do you go? Listen to me. This is showing the heart of Hezekiah. He knows where his help comes from. He knows that his life is in God's hands. His house his children, everything is in God's hands. So he turned straight to the wall and he prayed. Isaiah means Jehovah has saved. I forgot to, to, to tell you that. We need to know that. 
because it's the word of God that saved. The word came to earth and took flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1, 14. So he turns to the wall and prays. He, he, he made supplication to God. And he, look what he says in verse 3. Uh, remember now. Now listen, this is Mark. Mark, Lord. That's what it means. It means to mark. Remember, Lord. Uh, it means to mark so as to recognize. Be mindful, Lord. Oh, Lord, I pray how I walk. I've been living before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what was good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Now notice what Hezekiah's opinion of himself is and what he presents to God. Notice that because this is Hezekiah's, what he feels like he's done. He feels like he's been obeying the law. He feels like he's been doing God's will. He feels like he's had a loyal heart and walked in truth. And we've seen his reforms. He's one of the great reformers. And he's weeping before the Lord bitterly because the word of God has told him he's going to die. What do you do with that thought? That it's appointed for man to die once and then comes the judgment. You ready for the judgment? Is there contrition when you know that you're going to die? Or do you wait for it to come upon you and then you go, Lord, if you'll just get rid of this, I'll serve you forever. See, Hezekiah was already serving God. Hezekiah was already trying to do everything that he knew to do. This is what he says as a testimony of himself. Now, I'm going to tell you that right now that God doesn't refute that. God doesn't say, no, you didn't. But all of his best, everything that he does at his best, does not rise to the level where he can be saved by it from death. Only God's grace will save him from this death. As he cries out to God and God gives him a provision. Listen, Jesus is the provision for our death. Not anything else. God's provision comes in the person of the word of God. The living word of God. God spoke it into existence. God spoke your salvation. God said you believe in this word and you can have salvation. That's what the word believe means, is pistio. It means uh, to be delivered to safety. It means uh, uh, um, to trust your spiritual well-being into God's provision, which is Christ, the anointed, the Messiah of God. It's his provision for the sin nature, his provision for death. It's going to be funny because it's a lump of figs here. That's his provision for his death is a lump of figs. Wait a minute, you'll see it. And you can, now listen to me because I want you to know that he could have said, that's stupid, Lord. Call me a physician. I'm not going to use a lump of figs. Where's the physician at? I need somebody that's got a little more sense. But it doesn't matter what you think about the provision. It matters whether you obey the provision. It matters whether you believe God and trust God that he knows what he's doing. Listen, he could have killed the king of Assyria. He killed 185,000. He allowed him to go away and back to his house before he died. You have to understand that God is in complete control. 
He's testing your heart. He's trying your heart. He's proving your heart. That's what he was doing here with Hezekiah. That's what he was doing with who? Philip. When he fed the 5,000, what was he doing? He was testing Philip's heart. Philip, how come we feed all these people? Philip was fond of horses. He was fond of his own strength. Hezekiah's got a, a, a heart where he thinks he's more than what he is. We're going to see it gets him in trouble here in a minute. And it brings real judgment upon him. So he prays. He wept. What did he pray? Hey, let's go look. You want to go look? Let's go look into his heart. Isaiah 38. Let's go look. We'll be here for a while, people. I'm sorry. It's good stuff. Look at Isaiah 38. Isaiah 38. This is recorded. This actual text here is recorded in 2 Kings 20, 2 Chronicles 32, and Isaiah 38. And, and we, if you want to do homework and, and spend some time in it, you can find uh, out some more details of what was going on, what was being said. Isaiah 38 is pretty amazing. Um, because Isaiah actually after God gives him 15 more years you're going to see in a minute after God hears his prayer after God responds with life he writes a poem he writes some poetry and gratitude and thanksgiving to God see there's something that comes out of it out of out of the deliverance from death, Isaiah does some work for God, some thanksgiving to God. He becomes, a, he writes some poem. I, I kind of compare it to uh, uh, Ephesians 2.10, which says we are God's poem, his workmanship, his poema, created in Christ Jesus for good works that we should walk in them. Listen, watch this. Uh, I'm not even going to read it. I actually guess I'm not going to. 38, 1 through 9, I'm not going to read it. It's the same thing as in our text. Now, well, let's just do 9. This is the writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, when he had been sick. He's not sick anymore. Had recovered from his sickness. And this is why we're going to see his heart, how he prayed. But, but he's just reflecting on some of what he said to God as he writes it down as a testimony to give witness that God is the one that restored him. I said, in the prime of my life, I shall go to the gates of Sheol. I am deprived of the remainder of my years. Now listen, he's looking at the wall going, my goodness, I'm only 40. He was young. He was 30, 40, 45 years old. He was young, and he was like, I'm being deprived, God, of the rest of my years. Look, this is what he's saying. I said, this is what he said in his heart. Notice it's I, I, I. Keep an eye on that. I said, I shall not see the Lord, Yah. And then he doubles up on the Lord in the next line. The Lord, the Lord in the land of the living, I shall observe man no more among the inhabitants of the world. So he knew it was certain that he was going to die. He knew it was certain. My lifespan is gone Taken from me like a shepherd's tent, I have cut off my life like a weaver. He cuts me off from the loom. Now look at that. What's that mean? Shepherd's tent, temporary. Your body right now is a tent. There's a permanent house in heaven, 
My father's house are many, or let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many dwelling places, many mansions. If it were not true, I would have told you. And where I go, I go to prepare a place for you. That, and if I go to prepare a place, I will come again, that where I am, you may be also. Listen, a shepherd's tent is a temporary. He said, it's taken from me like a shepherd's tent. Shepherd would go out, he would come back in. His tent is not permanent. Uh, 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 cut off like a weaver's, uh, 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 I have cut off my life like a weaver, like a weaver. He would, it would be a temporary thing. You're on the loom and then all of a sudden you're cut off the loom. You're not there forever. From day until night, you make an end of me. So he knows he's dying. I mean, listen, do you know that the wages of sin is death? This is what he's saying in his heart. I have considered until morning like a lion. So he breaks all my bones from day until night. You make an end of me. He, and all he does is say the same thing that he said there at the last line of 12. He poetically repeats it. You make an end of me. You make an end of me. He says, God has announced that there's an end of me. I'm going to die. But now, 14, like a crane or a swallow, so I chattered. Listen, he's, he's, he's thinking of this, what's been announced. He's, he's pondering it. He's meditating on it. I mourned like a dove. My eyes fell from looking upward. Oh, Lord, I am oppressed. Undertake for me. Now he's interceding. Now he's looking at God saying, you have to undertake for me. I can't deal with this. I cannot change this. But you can undertake for me, Lord. You can intercede for me. He's looking up now. What shall I say? He has both spoken to me and he himself has done it. Now he's, he's, been, he's been given life again. He, listen, what shall I say? He has both spoken to me. He responds. God responds. And he himself has done it. Only God can do it. Lengthens his life. I shall walk carefully all of my years in the bitterness of my soul. O Lord, by these things men live. And in all these things is the life of my spirit. So you will restore me and make me live. To God be the glory. God's the only one that can, can save him from death. Listen, God's the only one that can bring you and I salvation. But this is poetically the heart of what was going in his mind as he knew this sentence of death was upon him. And he's praying to God. We get a little glance of what he's saying to God, just some of it. 17. Indeed, it was for my own peace. Listen, when God's testing you, when he's trying you, when he's proving you, everything that he's doing in you is for your own peace. So that you will know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That I had great bitterness, but you have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption, the pit of death. For you have cast all my sins behind your back. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, this was always about sin? Wait a minute, I thought it was about a boil. If you look up that word boil, it can mean leprous sore. And see, leprosy is always a type of sin. Leprosy represents sin in the Bible. It doesn't mean that it's caused always by sin, but a lot of times leprosy represents sin because leprosy separates you. Sin separates you. Leprosy cannot be cured other than by God. Sin cannot be cured other than by God. They're types. Look at this. For you have cast all my sins behind your back. His heart got right with God. 
and God saved him from corruption. For Sheol cannot thank you. Listen to this. Listen to 18. This is real poetry. For Sheol, the grave, cannot thank you. Death cannot praise you. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your truth. Listen, dead people don't praise God. Dead people don't look to God. And if you're, if you're really alive today, you will worship and praise God. You will enter into the completion of what God wants for your life. You'll stop chasing your own life and begin to say, God, why did you save me? I was bitter. I was angry. I was mad. I was dying. My face was to the wall, and I had nowhere to go but to you. Listen, dead people don't praise God. And if God casts you into the grave and dead, you're not going to be able to thank him. But everybody that's alive does. The living, the living man, he shall praise you. That's verse 19. As I do this day. He's thankful. The father shall make known your truth to the children. And he tells others. Listen. Listen. The father shall make known your truth to the children. Listen. If you are alive, you will make it known to others. The problem in the church today is most people don't have the spirit of God. And without the spirit of God, you're not God's. Without the Spirit of God, you have not risen to life. You're still dead. I'm sorry. I'm just preaching truth here. This is, this is truth here. And we're supposed to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. This is not letting the devil deceive us. See, if God would not have came to the rescue through the word of God, Hezekiah might have surrendered to Assyria. And just laid down. Or worse yet, he might have surrendered to the one he thought was trying to save him, Babylon. See, so many Christians right now are surrendering to Babylon rising. And they think the government's going to save them. This new world order is going to save them. And that everything going on in the political realm is going to save them. God is still the only Savior. I don't care what the news is talking about. Get your eyes off the world and get it on being faithful to God. He has called us Oh, the Father shall make known your truth to the children. Who are you supposed to be making known the truth to? You walk it out. You talk it out. You allow the Spirit to, to, to bring it out of you as God tests you and tries you and proves you. All of us need to hear this truth because we've been taught a bunch of lies in the church. Oh, it's not as blatant as Andy Stanley saying uh, just because Jesus says it doesn't make it true, but it's real stealth. See, think about what's going on in the world. We've known all along the devil was deceiving us, but now it's right out in the open. Now they're just taking it all and said, God, we don't care about God. We're going to kill God. Marriage is not a man and a woman. Marriage is anything you want to marry. Truth is anything you want it to be. And if you say a word, we'll kill you. See, it's right out in the streets. Lawlessness abounding. The question is, you personally, what are you going to do? Because none of these other people, not politicians, not your mom, not your dad, not your spouse, none of them will stand with you when you stand before Almighty God. What will you do when your face is to the wall? What will you do with your death? Because there's only one way to get life. And those who have life will praise Him. And they will tell others. They'll find a way. See, because it's not your strength that tells others. It's God's strength. It's God's spirit. It's God's work that gives you the gift to tell others in your way, according to your gifting as the body of Christ. The Lord was ready to save me. Do you see that in verse 20? I can keep going. He's ready to save us all. 
He came, he died, and the salvation is of the Lord. He's ready to save us, but we have to surrender. We have to turn our face to the wall and reason with him. Though your sins were as scarlet, they can be white as snow. He's ready to save. He's the ever-present help in time of need. Therefore, we will sing my songs with stringed instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord. Listen, people who are saved worship the Lord. They praise the Lord. They're ready to go the rest of their life that way. And then it says, Now Isaiah had said, Let them take a lump of figs and apply it with a poultice on the boil, and he shall recover. And Hezekiah had said, what is the sign that I shall go up to the house of the Lord? Look, he's got a sign now. He's already believed, though. Sign comes after, not before. Sign comes after he obeys. we got to get back to our... And if I really wanted to stick to this, I can just tell you. If I stick here a long time, listen. If you rest and pause right after chapter 38 before 39, don't forget there's 39 chapters in the Old Testament because Isaiah is a small picture of the Bible. 39 chapters and 39, what happens? Judgment comes upon Hezekiah again because of his spiritual pride. In that gap, Babylon comes down and he shows everything to Babylon. And because he shows everything to Babylon in 39, it says, Babylon's taking everything you got. But then what's the good news? Chapter 40, the number of judgment. Comfort, comfort, comfort. 40, chapter 40 begins all the way through 66 telling of the salvation of Judah, those who praise God. 40 all the way through 66 tells of that. 40 is the number of judgment. The, the 40th book in the Bible is Matthew where Jesus takes our judgment because no matter what Hezekiah does, he can never save himself. He can never have life unless he comes to God. He can never have life unless he believes the report of God. Who has believed our report? Are you believing the report of the word of God? Listen, it's all right there. Blows my brain that it's all right there and that he would allow me to say it. So let's go back to our text. Chapter 20, 2 Kings. I think we're in verse 4. This is where he wept. As he was weeping, what happened? He came to the reality that God was there to save. And it happened before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court that the word of the Lord came to him, right? Man, you see how quick this happened? He's ready to save. Turns himself to the wall. He reasons with God. And before Isaiah, which means Jehovah has saved, before he can leave the city, God tells him, five, return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father. Now to watch the eyes here. See, the other eyes were Hezekiah. Now we got God in his eyes, what he does. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your contrition, your tears, that you're mourning over your sin. You're mourning over your condition. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall see God. Is that what he says in... I, I, I get that wrong. I quote it wrong. But he says, blessed are those who mourn in the Beatitudes. Matthew 5.4. Yeah, but what's it, the next line? But they're not. it's not talking about crying over grandma passing away. It's talking about mourning over your sin. For they shall be comforted. That's right. Be comforted. Chapter 40. Judgment. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. My wife got it. My helpmate. 
comforter. I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you, make you whole. When, when are you going to do it? On the third day. Well, look at that. On the third day, you shall, this is what you do, go up to the house of the Lord. It's been announced. Now you just need to go to God's house on the third day. Resurrection is the evidence. The birth of the bride was out of his side, just like with Adam. Out of his side, he took a bride. With Jesus, when his side was pierced, it proved he was dead. That brought the birth of the bride. When he rose again, that was the evidence that the bride was birthed out of his side on the cross. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord. Verse 6. Are you going to get, you're going to do more? Exceedingly abundantly more than I could ever hope for or ask? And I will add to your days 15 years. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. It was only a step. That's what Assyria means, a step. Listen to me. That's why I say this happened inside of chapter 19. While all of that was going on and he was sick and in bed, this happened. He couldn't get up and do anything. He was king and couldn't do nothing. Except cry out to God. No matter how powerful you are, no matter how much strength, how much money, you can do nothing but cry out to God and reason with him. And I, he, kill, he keeps going in 6b, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. What's it for? Because his word. He already said he would. He already said it. So he's doing it because he told David that there will always be somebody on his throne. He'd already promised it. That's why he's protecting the house of Judah, the throne of David. It was for his sake because he will not break his word. He cannot lie. Then Isaiah said, take a lump of figs. Listen, so they took and laid it on the boil, and he recovered. Now, what's the lump of figs? It's God's provision for his sickness. I don't know how it worked. I don't know nothing about it. I'm not going to go into some herbal medicine relief thing for you. God said it so you can trust it. Unlike Andy Sandley, who said, just because Jesus said it doesn't make it true. Listen, Jesus is truth incarnate. He can't speak a lie. So if he said it, it does make it true. And you cannot do anything against it. You can't fight it. You can't stop it. And this was God's provision, a lump of figs. I'm sure there's something deeper that I haven't been revealed. But he took them. They obeyed. And what happened when he obeyed? He recovered. It means to live to revive, to restore, to be whole because he obeyed God's word. That's, the, that's it. How did we get into this mess? We disobeyed God's word. Did God really say? We listened to Assyria. We listened to another voice. Oh my goodness, this is good stuff. I get excited. I'm sorry. Now, oh, let's deal with this. Let's deal with this. Did God change his mind? I know you guys weren't even thinking that. You're like, I'm still thinking about the boils. Was that herbal medicine? Should I go down and get some tea leaves? No, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> listen, God didn't change his mind. 
God was testing and proving and trying the heart of the king, of Hezekiah. He already knew what he was going to do. He already knew every single hair on Hezekiah's head. He knew how long he was going to live. He knew what he was going to do when he turned to the wall. That's why we have to understand that God already knows the end from the beginning. He's outside of time. And you, he knew when you were going to choose him for salvation, when you were going to turn to the wall, when you was going to surrender. And you know, he knows everybody that surrendered and believed the report. And what did he do? Well, Hebrews 1 says he sent angels to protect you because he knew you were going to do that. He didn't make that up himself and send angels so you would do it. He gave you the opportunity to do it. And because of his grace, you believed the message. You believed the report. You surrendered your life. And you cried out to God. So he protected you until that day and wouldn't let the enemy get to you. Oh, there were some bad things happened to me, though. He didn't let the enemy kill you. He didn't let the enemy destroy you. He's using everything for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Every bit of that was testing and proving. Now it's a testimony. But you don't have one until you're tested. Until you're proved. Until you're found wanting. Now we're reading the testimony of God. Because Christ rose again. Are you obeying God's word? But it's crazy to take a lump of figs and put... Are you obeying God's word? God's not crazy. I don't care what his word says. Obey it. It's true. There's no lie in him. That was verse 7, by the way. Did you see that, Mike? 6, for the number of man, he said, I will do this. 7 is God's provision. 8 is a new beginning. And Hezekiah... Yah is my strength, said to, he has saved. What is the sign, what is the mark that the Lord will heal me and that I shall go up to the house of the Lord on the third day? Then Isaiah said, this is the sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do the thing which he has spoken. Notice it's already said. Notice it's already done. Shall the shadow go forward 10 degrees or go back 10 degrees? And Hezekiah answered, it's an easy thing for the shadow to go down 10 degrees. No, but let the shadow go back 10 degrees. So Isaiah the prophet cried out to the Lord. Notice where Isaiah had to go. Listen, he's just a man being used by God and just delivering the word of God. That's all anybody could ever be. We are not God. But we can be faithful to share the truth of God's word. And when it pierces somebody's conscience, they have to make a decision whether they will listen Isaiah goes back to God. He cries out to the Lord. And the Lord brought the shadow 10 degrees backward by which it had gone down on the sundial of Ahaz. Ahaz means he has grasped. See, when you grasp it, you know that God can do anything. That it's not impossible. Um, but he turns it back. This is a miracle. But God is outside of time. So he can control time. He's outside of time. He can do anything he wants. Remember, remember when Joshua was fighting? And he asked God to, to... They were winning, but the sun was going down. And he asked God for help, and God made it, the, 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 the sun stay up for like another 15 hours or something. I forget what it was. I should have had the note, but I didn't. Is it in here? Joshua 10, 12. You can go read it yourself. It's in the, it's in the, that's why people put these notes in there. Joshua 10, 12. And the day lasted longer. 
But now turn back time. Listen, everybody wants to turn back time. We were talking about it today. I'm working with a kid that's 19 years old. I said, I'm just mad at him because he's got 19-year-old needs. That's all I'm mad at him. But I'd like to have some 19-year-old needs again and know what I know now. And then could, I could run stronger. I'm, t- I'm being facetious, okay? Uh-huh. But it's not going to happen. But doesn't everybody want to turn back time? Well, you can't turn back time, but you can serve the God who can redeem your time. And that's what you're supposed to be doing if you're really worshiping, if you're really praising him, if you're really born again. You're supposed to make the most of the time. Redeem the time for the days are evil. We can't keep chasing these days. We need to begin to live and do his will for his glory for such a time as this. Why? Because the enemy's still coming. Here he is, verse 12. There he is. At that time, Barodach Baladan the son of Baladan, the king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that Hezekiah had been sick. Now listen, this is the enemy coming to flatter, the enemy coming to stealthily come in and steal what the Lord has done. It looks like your friend. It looks like the one that's been helping you. Listen, listen, where does your help come from? Get the lesson right. Have you grasped it? That's what, that's what Ahaz meant. The last word of the last, verse 11, have you grasped the truth that your strength has to come from the Lord? He can control time. He can make the sun come up or go down. He is the one that knows whether you're going to wake up tomorrow or not. And the enemy is going to keep trying to get you to trust in his government. Babylon is rising. Listen, listen, make sure you understand this. Barodach Baladan is worshiper of Baal. That's what it means. Worshipper of Baal. He's the king of Babylon. Baal is Beelzebub. The lord of the flies. The father of lies. The one who sits on the dung hill. The one who is the head of death. Who wants to come back again and give you more death. And if you're not careful, you can even be wise King Hezekiah with the best reforms there is. And you'll fall for his trap. Watch what he does. In his spiritual pride... What you do, he brings a present. You better be careful when the enemy brings you a present. Be careful. Be careful. He'll flatter you. You'll think you're doing better. Here, it's time. We're promoting you. You've got a new promotion. And then you can't go to church because you've got a new promotion. You've got to please the boss. you got a pay raise. Oh, now I get a tithe more and I get a new boat. So I'm out on my boat instead of being in fellowship and doing the work of God. The Lord, the, 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 the Lord warns us against the worshiper of Baal who's coming, the spirit of Antichrist. Babylon, king of Babylon, means confusion by mixing. Babylon means confusion by mixing. You cannot mix your faith. You cannot serve two masters. It has to be God and God alone. Putting everything, and this is what he's proving you. This is what he's trying you. This is what the next battle is going to be about. He's testing you not to destroy you, but he wants to show you your heart. Anything that's going on in your life, if you're surrendered to God, He's showing you your heart so that you would know what was in your heart, so that you would know whether you would live by bread alone or by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Listen, that's what happened. Listen, the devil came, Beelzebub, and and tempted Jesus. Matthew 4. What did he conclude at the finality? What do you and I need to conclude at the finality? We need to conclude that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. If you need a context on that, you want to see it in a nation, go to Deuteronomy 8. 
And all the years that God took them through the wilderness was to test them and to try them. Their sandals didn't wear out. Everything was provided. They had food. They had water from a rock. It was all provided by Christ, if you follow that testimony. And it was to prove to them that they should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. How do I know that? That's what Jesus quoted away from me, for it is written. I better slow down or speed up here and get this done. Babylon, confusion by mixing. Do not mix earthly, central, demonic wisdom with God's wisdom. Do not mix grandma's old wives' tales with God's word. Do not get mixed up. Learn the word. Know the word. Sharpen your sword. Trust the Lord. <clears throat> Trust in the power of his spirit like Hezekiah should have. His name means God is my strength. And yet he continues to go back to his own strength. All of us will do that. All of us will stumble. God's proving and testing and trying us. He's purifying us. He's working out and burning out the dross. He's washing and cleansing us with the washing of the water. How? Through the word. As we're led by the spirit. And as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the children of God. If you're not led by the spirit of God, you're not a child of God. If you're not living in the power of God, you're not a child of God. Listen to me. You need to wake up and grow in the Spirit and grow according to the Word of God. There is plenty of litmus tests to know now before the sun goes down and you wake in the presence of God and go, well, Andy Stanley said, was I listening to Isaiah? God has saved. Yah has saved. Was I paying attention to the testimony of Hezekiah? The Lord is my strength? Or was I listening to Joe Olstein and some liars like Andy Stanley, who's been sent out by the Antichrist, their spirit of Antichrist, to detract from the Word of God, to take away from the Word of God? You know who listens to these guys? People who don't know the Word of God. The only people that listen to a false teacher is somebody who don't know the Word of God. And it's easy because they're everywhere. And people sit in churches every single Sunday and they listen to a bunch of emotional lies, a bunch of psychology, a bunch of worldly, central, demonic wisdom, and they smile because it tickles their ears, but it has no spirit to it. And without the spirit of God, we're not gods. And so we should want to know that right now. Am I really yours, Lord? Have I been bought by the blood? Not just because I said it. Does God know me? Many in that day will say, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he'll say, be away from me. I never knew you. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Okay, let's, let's listen again. What's his word say? What's his voice say? What has he said? What is he doing? And he knows us. How do we know if that relationship is going on? Are you following him? Listen, how do you learn who he is? You follow him. You see his example. You're looking for him in the pages of scripture. One of my favorite sayings that you can borrow and look at, it's not scripture, but it outlines the scripture, is when the man of God looks into the word of God and sees the son of God, he's transformed by the spirit of God into the image of God 
for the glory of God. Keep it in line. Look into the Word of God. Look for the Son of God. Allow the Spirit of God to transform your life into the image of God and then make sure it's always for the glory of God. See, because if your life's being transformed and you're getting the glory, it ain't for God. It ain't the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of Antichrist. It's Spirit of flesh. It's some other spirit. Because we continue to sink lower. This is going to be the problem with Hezekiah. Watch what happens. His spiritual pride, he took the credit. They brought the present. What does he do? Watch this. We're going to close up here. Verse 13. 2013. And Hezekiah was attentive to them. So in other words, he sent them down there. Baladan, Baal, sent some uh, confusion by mixing. He sent letters to present them and said, here's my messengers. Listen, Spirit of Antichrist, a lot of preachers out there have letters from Babylon, letters from Baal. And, and here they are. Here's my credentials. I got them in the cemetery, I mean, seminary, and I'm teaching this Bible, but I don't have the Spirit of God. And here's my credentials. I'm a good orator. And Hezekiah was attentive to them and showed them all the house of his treasures. Listen, silver, that's, that's salvation. Gold, that's deity. Spices and precious ointment, fruit, and all his armory, weapons of my warfare. All that was found among his treasures. There was nothing in his house or in all of his dominion that Hezekiah did not show them. Listen to me. A fool reveals all of his heart. A fool, what is the verse, honey? Do you remember it? You always tell me about it because I'm a fool. I, oh, see, listen, listen, I don't have to be a fool to be foolish. I can act out in the flesh and still be a fool in certain ways and be redeemed. And I need to learn from it. Uh, a foolish man reveals his whole heart. Oh, I forget. It's a proverb. It's in there somewhere. I'm teasing. Um, let me think of it. A fool vents all of his feelings, but a wise man holds back. What is it? Can you get it for me, please? I, I should know it. It's, it's one of the verses that she's always using to knock me around. But look what he does. He shows everything that's in his kingdom. He reveals his whole kingdom. Why? Because they send him a present. They go, wow, dude, you were dying, and now you're alive? And he believed his own press clippings. And he goes, yeah, look what God's done also. Look at all of my stuff. Look how smart I am. Look how rich I am. Look how proud I am. And it's spiritual pride. And he didn't stay humble. And he reveals it. And look what Isaiah says. Look what the word of God says to him in verse 14. Then Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and said to him, what did these men say? And from where did they come to you? So Hezekiah said they came from a far country, from Babylon. And he said, what have they seen in your house? So Hezekiah answered, they have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not shown them. Notice he said they were my treasures. Listen, if you got anything, it belongs to God. Because you belong to God. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord. You know, would to God that we would hear the word of the Lord, that we would hear his voice, 
and he would know us and we would follow him. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated until this day. Notice everything, the entire kingdom, not just your house. You have just caused this because your sin affects other people. All that your fathers accumulated all these years shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. What shall we do? Well, nothing's impossible with God. God can still save us. Because all that he does, all that he could do, cannot save him. Mm. Spiritual pride. Do you see it? Spiritual pride. Listen, again, this reveals his heart. When you, when you know that God is testing you and proving you, <clears throat> this is not the end of Hezekiah's life. As we've already read, that, that what happens is he has peace in his days, but it, becomes, it happens in the, the next generation. And that's what's going on in the church is that the, the church gets watered down and watered down and watered down. The next generation gets weaker and weaker. Jesus says, well, I even find faith when I come. Listen, Hezekiah... This reveals his heart, and this is my opinion. It reveals his heart that he was still trusting in Babylon and not God. He was still trusting that Babylon was going to help him to be saved, just like you and I might do when we look at the political spectrum of the world today. When we look at the world today, we still in some ways hang on, and we look at what we see instead of living by faith, walking by faith and not by sight. The just shall live by faith, not by sight. If you can see it, it's not your strength. Your strength comes from the Lord, the Spirit of God. Listen to me. I believe he was still hanging on to the fact, I need to make peace with Babylon because Assyria is still coming. And he had no idea that Assyria was becoming weak. He should have had some idea. God, with one angel, killed 185,000. Listen to me. He should have knew that God was enough. But it reveals his heart that he was still trusting in his own strength, my own plans. Let me share with them everything and show them how good God's been to me. And I'll keep them as my friend. My, they can be my buddy. They can be my friend. I'll keep this stuff in case I need to use it later. This will be my strength. Listen, get rid of everything that's in the world. Get rid of everything that you think will help you. Quit trusting in uncertain riches. Quit trusting in this world and know that God is enough because this reveals his heart. It's caused pride and it's the next generation. What's going to happen? Oh, what's going to happen, Greg? Look, look at the rest of what he says. Verse 18. Not just that Babylon is coming and taking everything, but in 18 it says, and they shall take away some of your sons. The next generation who will descend from you, whom you will beget, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. They will have no strength to have offspring and raise up other Christian children. Listen, what's going on in our societies today? The American Medical Association made 27 the age of maturity in a man. They say that you're 27 and you're still an adolescent in America. Oh, I believe it. I believe it when I see what's going on in our kids. 27 years old? I think when I was a kid, it was 13. 
14. And you were no longer an adolescent. So in the one, two, three, four generations, now it's doubled. You're 27 and you're still a child. Are you kidding me? No wonder they need safe spaces and coloring books and they're in college. Indoctrination stations for more lies so that the next generation, how old are they going to be before they learn how to get a job and work and take care of somebody? I'm just telling you, listen to me, the next generation. Oh, where do we see that? Let's look at Daniel chapter 1. You thought I was finished. Daniel, this is when it happens. They're carried away to Babylon. We see it happen, but you don't have to follow it. Listen, we see it happen, you don't have to obey it. Oh, the world wants to change your name. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. Who gave it into his hand? Who delivered him? It does not say that Nebuchadnezzar defeated Jerusalem. God is in control. I'm sorry for yelling. But we need to make some emphasis on this. It wasn't that Nebuchadnezzar was so strong that he destroyed God that he defeated God's people, God delivered them over for judgment. The Lord gave them over to his hand, to his power. And some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, that's Babylon, to the house of his God, a pagan God, and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Aspenaz, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel... And some of the king's descendants, and this is what he said was going to happen, it happened. Because God said it was going to happen. And God didn't make it happen. God is outside of time. And he's seen what was going to happen because you always reap what you sow. And some of the nobles, young men, to whom there was no blemish, look how, look how they are, but good looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick to understand. See, God's people are really good. But they can give their wisdom. They can give their talents. They can give everything that they have to the world and be delivered into bondage and use all their resources for, for the wrong reasons. Who had, uh, They were quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. Uh-oh, we're supposed to be learning the word of God. We're supposed to be learning the literature of God. Right? And supposed to be learning that our citizenship is in heaven. But we're in bondage and we're being indoctrinated into the language and the literature of this world and this life and the earthly central demonic wisdom of the Chaldeans. In verse 5, the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them so that at the end of the time they might serve before the king. Now listen to me indoctrination station they're deciding their food listen they're putting pharmacy in all of our food they're deciding what we ingest they're putting their medicines and their stuff in our bodies but if you just pray over it you'll be fine because God will protect you I'm just telling you what the Bible says go back to Mark 16 again now 6 number of man now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel. God is my judge. 
That's what Daniel means. And you guys probably never seen these names, have you? Heraniah, which means God shows grace. Mashiel, who is who is what God is. That's what Mashiel means. And Azariah, the Lord is help. Now that's their real names. Now this is really interesting. Listen, I heard this today, I think. Daniel, we always know is Daniel. God is my judge. God doesn't allow that to be changed. They called Daniel Daniel the whole time he was in the world. And the whole world knows that God is my judge. Listen, but Heraniah, Mishael, and Azariah, they changed their name to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They gave them false god names. Belshazzar, Belshazzar means the Lord of strength and treasure. Shadrach means uh, a royal or great scribe. Azariah means servant of Nebo. And Nebo is the god of learning and writing. Oh, what is that? The learning and writing. What is that? Where, where was it up there? Um, uh, uh, it gave him the literature. Where was that at? Language and literature. They indoctrinate them in their language and literature because of their false gods. Oh, there's no, uh, there's evolution and there's, a marriage could be anything. And they're indoctrinating the next generation. See, we always think it's just us. We're affecting the next generation, our children. The fathers are supposed to be giving witness. And the next generation is being taught that there is no God. And that marriage can be anything, and that and that there is no real sex, and it's 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 it, it can be transcendent, and you can move through it, and you can be whatever you want to be. No, God said male and female. God said marriage is a man and a woman. God said it's about a marriage and it's about a family. We're married to God, and there's the family of God. That's what it's all about. Verse seven. To them, the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. See, they should have been getting a name from God and getting salvation and being renamed by God. And now they're in bondage because of the king not listening and his spiritual pride and not following and continuing. And so Babylon comes down and gives them new names of his own. And then he tells them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, verse 8 number of new beginnings what happened listen if you've got a new beginning it's with God don't change eight but Daniel God is my judge purposed in his heart where did he do that in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portions of the king's delicacies nor with the wine which he drank therefore he requested of the chief eunuchs that he might not defile himself Listen, he stood and said, I've already been trained by God. God is my judge. I'm going to obey what God has said. I'm not going to follow this world. It's literature. It's language. It's ways. It's culture. A bunch of delicacies and wine is not good for you unless you want to die. I mean, that's, that's what happens. And so then he challenges the eunuch. The eunuch gives in. And when they compared them later, 
Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, all those guys, they looked better than the other guys. And they were still wiser because of God. Not because of Daniel's wisdom, but because Daniel, who knew God was his judge, he purposed in his heart not to defile himself. What's your purpose in your heart? Do you care if you defile yourself? I said a prayer. I'm saved anyway. I can defile myself if I want. Well, God will kill you if you defile the temple of God. We better go back to the New Testament. You're, if the Spirit of God dwells in you, then you're the temple of God. Whose temple you are, you're God's. You've been bought by God. Be careful just defiling yourself without even caring. We need the purpose in our heart that I want to be, I want to be consecrated. I want to be set apart. I've been washed and cleansed by the Spirit of God with the Word of God. I want to learn to obey <coughs> God because that's what salvation is about. Coming back unto the authority of God under His Word and obeying God. The penalty's been taken by Christ so that we don't have to fear death anymore because he came to destroy the works of the devil. What were the works of the devil? He brought about death. There was no death before his lies. But because somebody listened to his lies, now we're all born and appointed for death. That's what Hezekiah was. He was sick. He turned to the wall. He said, Lord, I want to change my mind. I want to know what's going on. I want some more days so I can tell my children. But then when he got him in his spiritual pride, instead of remembering God, walking in the strength of God, and witnessing for God, he let everything go by showing the whole world all of his riches like he did something. It's spiritual pride. We've got to be careful with it. Because pride, again, <clears throat> original sin of the devil. And then you can get saved and have spiritual pride. The entire nation of Israel did. Pharisees and Sadducees, spiritual pride. We're the ones that salvation didn't come from you. Nobody's risen from. And they do all of this stuff and they killed the Lord of glory in their pride. And you and I can do it. Spiritual pride can kill the voice of God in our lives. Let's close. God told him what was going to happen. Take his son, take his descendants. They'll be eunuchs. You know, a eunuch cannot produce offspring. There's a whole lot of spiritual eunuchs in the body of Christ today because they're not trying to tell somebody and the only way to beget children is to tell them the truth of God's word. Just to share the truth. Just let it out. And then other people can come to the saving knowledge and become children of God. But it's all done with the Spirit of God. It's not done by a person. It's done by the Spirit of God through surrendered vessels. 19, so Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. For he said, will there not be peace and truth at least in my days? <laughs> Just settle up like that. At least I get to eat, drink, and be merry. I mean, that's really a spiritual cop-out. I'm not picking on Hezekiah. At least I'm going to have peace during my days. What about, see, that's the way the world's running right now. We don't care about the future. Right now I want power. Right now I want this stuff. The world is running like that. And that's why people are making very bad decisions. All they're doing is feeding their own belly. And they're making very bad decisions. They're not really thinking about the future. And you and I should know that ours is secure. But if it is secure, we should be trying to do the will of God by the Spirit of God for the glory of God. Now the rest of the Acts of Hezekiah all his might, and how he made a pool 
in a tunnel and brought water into the city. Are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? So Hezekiah rested with his fathers. Then Manasseh, his son, reigned in his place. Now listen, here's some more amazing stuff. I'm not going to really talk about the water, but we could. Manasseh. See, Manasseh was one of uh, Joseph's children. That's where the name comes from. He had Ephraim and Manasseh. Right? Manasseh, his firstborn, mean forgetful. He forgot that he was in bondage and had been delivered and sold into slavery down in Egypt. And then Ephraim means fruitful, and he began to bear fruit, even though that was not his homeland, right? Now here we have Manasseh being used in an evil way, because Manasseh is the worst king. It's chapter 21. He's the worst king ever. And guess what? He's born three years after. Three years, very important, three years after God heals Hezekiah. Notice how it starts. 21. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king. He's 12 years old. That's very important to understand. And he's eviler. And so what happened? Everybody forgets all the reforms of Hezekiah. Forgetful. Because he was so evil and the people followed the king that they forgot all the reforms and they ended up right back in apostasy. And that's why they're going to end up delivered. So be careful what you pray for. That's the moral of this. You pray for more time. Why not just accept that I'm going to die and I'm going to go be with the Lord? Listen, it's okay. Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'm bringing it back to reality in our current tense. Manasseh didn't want to die. He wanted to bring up his, well, I've been doing all this stuff for you, Lord. Why would you kill me? I'm a good witness. Listen, this is all about being in the presence of God. You finished a race when you and beautiful in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. This is about getting across the finish line. Everyone that gets across the finish line is forever in the presence of God. And yet he wanted to hang on to his power, hang on to his strength, hang on to his kingdom and not die. And he, in spiritual pride, says, look, Lord, at everything I've done for you. Why would you let me die now? Give me some more years. And in those years, his spiritual pride again produced the worst king ever, Manasseh. And they forgot all about God. We'll cover that in our next lesson, maybe. But be careful what you pray for. See, because prayer is not talking to God and asking him to be a genie in a bottle, give me everything I want. Prayer is understanding that God wants to change your heart and wash you and cleanse you and he wants us to know his will and follow his will not convince him to do what we want to do prayer is aligning your heart with God listen to me because my house should be a house of prayer not a house of the word a house of prayer the dependency upon God for your heart for your decisions for your wisdom for your life and your godliness and if you try to twist and change what God has already announced to be done, it could end up bad, with bad fruit, when you were supposed to go another way. Manasseh is the worst king ever, the most evilest king ever. 
the people forgot God. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the testimony, the foundation that we can stand on. And we know if you said it, it's true. And Lord, we pray that it would be written on our hearts and we would walk it out for your glory for such a time as this. Bring souls to salvation, Lord. Help us to learn to obey all that you commanded us. We know that you're with us always, even to the end of the age. Send us out, Lord. Thanks for equipping us. Help us have ears to hear and help us to bear fruit and keep the devil from stealing the word that you've spoken to our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. Amen.